My next guest on the Tea Time sofa is Sue Bewey, MBE, founder of Anshaw Women's Aid. Sue shares how she works with women to empower them after suffering domestic abuse. Anshaw's Women's Aid was found by Sue in 1984 after her own abusive situation in the 70s and after a woman needed support to stop her children being taken to South Asia against her will. Since then, the organisation has worked with thousands of women from many different cultures across the UK. During the pandemic, domestic abuse has increased and more recently, the organisation have received a grant by the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust to launch a digital support programme to support hard-to-reach BAME women. Let's find out more. Sue, welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjack. Sue, it's lovely to see you. So I can see you're at home like, like me and That's um, right. it's um, been quite a busy time, hasn't it, for Anshul with the Jasmine Project? Um, that's right. A lot of different projects, but in particular, the Jasmine uh, has done really well because the pandemic highlighted that need. And whereas at the start of the lockdown, we thought, how are we going to deliver traditional services in a different way? But in fact, the Jasmine project has been more successful. One of the most successful projects of Anchos in uh, in this year and that's because more women through Zoom can reach us from wherever they are. They've had the opportunity to warm up with us on one-to-ones and straight into the Jasmine project. So yeah we're very pleased, we're really really pleased uh, with how the Jasmine project's been running. It did take us two and a half years to develop it before we actually received funds, before we actually put it together as a, as a full package to begin fundraising. So it was a lot of time investment speaking to women uh, and a lot of time investment. It's a sort of collection of all the best things that work to, re, to help women rebuild their lives that we have cherry picked from our 37 years of expertise. So it's all of it cherry picked together and put in one package. Uh, we love it too. Oh, fantastic. I mean, it, it does look like a really good program. Um, and it's all about empowering women who have been through domestic abuse as well, isn't it? It is. It's all about. So rebuilding a life or whether you're at early stage, whichever phase of the journey you're at. So the empowerment is, is a crucial factor. Uh, but not many, many women actually use the word empowerment. So people see it in different ways. Empowerment might be courage, it might be being brave, it might be being who you are. So all sorts of understanding. So empowerment is a word that we use as providers, it's generally used, uh, but many women that come to us don't actually use that word and understand it fully until uh, they've been through the program. No, I understand. And also, I mean, you you have the, the reason why you have done what you've done because you, you know, experienced your own journey, didn't you, of domestic abuse? That's, right. that's, that's right. A long time ago. Yeah. I've absolutely rebuilt my life. Well, completely. And, and what an amazing lady you are. You've also got an MBE as well for your 
your contribution to you know um helping others which is is just brilliant but i mean if if we can just sort of turn the clock back that to uh. back then, i mean yeah you were living in you know um asia weren't you and it oh. Uh, my history, uh, yes, I, I was born in Africa, so my early childhood was in Africa, and then for a few years in India before we came to settle in the UK, because my grandparents were already here a long time before us. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a long, <laughs> that's a long time back, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, your own personal experience was... Um, to do with perhaps some of the cultures, do you think, or not really? Yeah, cultures. I mean, that's uh, that's a, a continuous battle we're always fighting. This is what is it that as human beings, as women, that hold us back to do what we absolutely feel is right for us. Sometimes we don't know what is right and we could be confused, but quite often we do know deep down in our hearts what should be and what shouldn't so what stops us is peer pressure if you convert the word culture or tradition into peer pressure different communities and different groups of people have different pressures which uh, stops women making decisions uh, but unfortunately some of the traditions and cultures in the south asian countries is very rigid and very strict and very more controlling more so than in the western world yeah i understand that so i mean you know where as marriage in the western world is sort of like a 50 50 situation almost in some cultures in, in asia it's really sort of like a, a 90 percent yeah um, yeah yeah. I would even say zero to 100 uh, percent in, in many cases. In the 80s, it was zero to 100 percent. There's been some movement mm. um, since then. Uh, but yes, you've taken me right back. Um, yes, that's a really interesting, some interesting thoughts I'm having. What was it like? What brought me where I am now? And what made me fight my case and my situation in the 70s? Uh, because not many women did uh, it's uh, just going back to your question so it is culture so culture in Kenya was different it's, it's lived uh, with many other South Asian communities who had uh, moved to Africa because of the British colonies and the railways that were being built and jobs and opportunities um, my parents went uh, at that time so the cultures that were created from different people, there was a sort of a newness uh, uh, within that culture that was built uh, in accordance with what the environment was like, what the time scale was at that time. But still, there were a lot of cultural traditions and beliefs that sort of merged together. Mm -hmm. uh, in India, when I was there, it was also the very old cultures that stuck, and it's only in recent years there's been some movement. And then coming to the UK, the South Asian communities that were settling here, those cultures somehow became even stronger and more rigid than in Kenya and in India. So that was um, a surprise to me as a young girl, as a very young girl arriving here. 
um, different way of life. And I would say in the 70s, when I experienced my experience, having lived here for a long time, if you take the UK, for example, we would see South Asian communities settled in the North, in the Midlands, in London, they all lived differently. So if there were arranged marriages within those areas, their way of life was different. That in, in itself were, were sort of new cultures and traditions that were knitted together. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, also, I think, you know, for, for people living in that situation, they, they don't really understand so much as well what, what is, you know, going on in, in a different community. Do they, they think yeah. it's the norm? Is that fair to say? Yeah, it, the, the norm, uh, different people had different norms. And if you take arranged marriages, uh, for example, uh, is the is the female gender that's expected to adapt to the norm, not the male. So it always traditionally, historically, it's always been easier for the South Asian male to make the decisions uh, because he does what he's always done. And it's the female that moves into that environment that has to make all the changes and it's dependent on who that female is. Is she going to accept those? And are those norms healthy norms? Um, does it, is it senseless uh, debates or battles? Because uh, life has a lot more to offer us than to continuously fight within the cultures, isn't it? We, we lose and waste a lot of our lives just fighting those battles. I don't think it's necessary. No, I, I can see what you mean. It, 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 it's not necessary, is it? And really, I mean, I suppose a, a relationship of any kind, whether that, you know, it should be a, an equal footing, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah, equality, that was in the 70s, very hard. Today, I think even in the younger generations, we've done a, a, a delivered a lot of work working with local schools uh, in East London, um, workshops with young boys, but some of the younger women's cases that we have, even today, there might be different types of cultures or traditions or norms, even within the younger community with the current generation, teenagers, 16 years old, 17, 18 years old, if they've created their own cultures that create their own pressures. Yeah. So, so domestic abuse happens Everywhere. within relationships. Mm. Uh, and there's that lack of understanding on how to manage those relationships. Let's say healthy relationships, what's healthy, what's not. But uh, yeah, it's sad, to, it's sad to say that there are um, cultures we create ourselves as groups of people. It's not the law, it's what we make. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And and that's interesting, isn't it, really? Because, you know, we're, we supposedly live by a code of conduct. But yeah, yeah you're right. It's they're, they're living by their own codes of conduct and yes. creating yeah. these cultures, mm. so to speak, to mm. suit their environment or suit suit them. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. not, you know, necessarily the right thing to do. And it, it is interesting, the whole subject of, of healthy relationships, isn't it? Yeah, 
yeah yeah um i mean you're you're saying that you're doing lots of work in schools now i mean part of your empowering project with the jasmine project yeah um, i mean would you say it's it's fair to say that perhaps some of these women that you know have benefited from this course previously wouldn't have known what a healthy relationship was absolutely 100 percent. i mean if you uh, if we could give you the quotes for women towards the end of uh, the Jasmine project, the Jasmine project consists of 12 sessions mm -hmm. of empowerment and then eight sessions of managing homes. It's where there's lack of support for women once they have escaped domestic abuse and they can't manage their certain skills they don't have. So in those eight days, we put you know, we give them uh, the empowerment of learning those skills such as DIY, car maintenance, plumbing, fixing toilets, fixing drains and things like that. So they don't have to turn to other people. So the 12 week uh, total empowerment uh, program, uh, we take them through the journey of um, understanding like historically, we as individuals, as women, when the experience of domestic abuse happens, it's not only the experience of then and there, it was what is what's happened in their lives before and before and before. So historically, uh, even what, what is it that our grandparents and our parents have passed on to us? What are the losses? For some women, it might be moving from country to, to, to country um, and it's not necessarily happy um, experience in women's lives to be able to make those moves because those moves might be forced. It might be historically being in this country and experiencing loss, grief, other relationships and that adds. So we start the Jasmine project, we're trying to understand what's happened before, but we do it, we don't take months and months. So it's as opposed to counselling, we use healing techniques and we use the NLP techniques and experiential exercises. So it's the exercises that we, activities that we bring into the sessions that take women automatically back. And then once you confront and face those, uh, my belief is through all these years of work I've done at Ancho, is that what whole, no matter how much learning we have, what holds us back further on is, because if we haven't tackled those and faced those demons, it, we keep returning to that point. Um, my learning is that face the demons first, be very clear about decluttering your mind, decluttering your emotions. And it's like, uh, if you can imagine a vessel that's holding so much, so much has gone in, like clear that first, take everything out. And then we come to sessions that start afresh. Let's look at what's happening now. And then looking at what their visions and goals are. So we wouldn't necessarily say a goal. We say, what is it? Make a wish. What is it that you might really want? You know, it doesn't matter if you can have it or not, just make a wish. And we have that as a starting point. And then we work towards, well, what is it that stops us? gaining that wish and getting that and not just dreaming it, have the ability to dream it, but also have the ability to experience it. And then we talk, we break down the barriers. So some of the, a lot of the barriers are peer pressure and some of the barriers could be finance, children, lots of other things. 
So we go about in the Jasmine project, breaking and crashing those barriers. And then we come up the other end and towards the end of the program, we begin to make our plans, our very factual sort of mini business plans of our mini wishes and our bigger wishes that how may we do this and then helping women in the Jasmine project to identify that they're not on their own. Sometimes we have a lot of resources around us, but we don't know, we don't recognize them as resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so building your resources, and if you think that there's any risks, we get you know, people to see it clearly uh, with a clear mind. Okay, I've got these risks, it might happen, it might not, but I'm gonna eliminate this in this way. So slowly, 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 it's like different phases of the journey. And I must say it is truly empowering. It's not what women expect, uh, but the byproduct of that is you have groups of women that really gel together and uh, we have clusters of people, of networks that go away, come can come back to us through chai chat, so sort of weekly meetings. Um, and uh, we've supported women get into employment because once they feel empowered, uh, they have the ability that we, we give them opportunities while well, these there's these jobs going there's University of East London, for example, that can support you with training courses, what else, what else, what else. So we give them the building blocks, but um, I think more than anything it's a very enjoyable process. Uh, it's, I would say it takes the pain away. Uh, and that's something very powerful that we give to women. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in a roundabout way, um, you're giving them the tools to come out the other side. And yes, literally. Yeah. Putting themselves first, because I, I can imagine that in that sort of situation, they didn't put themselves first ever. It was always... Yeah, yeah. and knowing how to, and tools literally, uh, by tools, we're handing them on a piece of paper that this if you think this way and if you plan this way you'll get here in this way which means that in future events it's not only the events it's not only these 12 sessions way ahead years later uh, these are women's these are tools that women can use continuously so anything else that happens you use the same uh, tools uh, to move forward and i must say i didn't have uh, these tools in 1980s, 90s, is things that we've developed and all the learning that we've had together as teams and and bringing those. So NLP has a lot of tools that one can use. Uh, It's about using terms and triggers like make your decisions. So making your wishes come true, but ensure that those dreams are congruent. So giving them those words, such as what does congruent mean then? It means how do you create that balance um, in in your decision making, make you know making it more achievable, more bite-sized, so that you can enjoy small successes going on to bigger successes. Because if you do, if you go straight away for a big success, uh, but it's not congruent, if it is not balanced, it means that one's more likely to face risks, and that brings people's energies down when you go through that type of battle again. So what we try and do in the Jasmine Project is to try and ensure that whatever we pass, uh, 
the tools that we pass to the women and the experiences that it has to be workable is bringing that confidence out. But I think more important than anything, they come at the project feeling themselves is gaining that self-identity. What is it that they had lost? Who are they and how do they function? So just as an example, we, we'd cover in the Jasmine project, uh, give examples of um, say three children in a family, two children in a family, mother, father, grandparents, but each, how do, how do we recognize that each person within that unit feels and thinks differently? So for all the children in a family, one box doesn't fit all because they're individuals, so they react to the same uh, content differently. So not to expect to react back to them in the same way because it, it might not work. So mm -hmm. it's like just in-depth, sort of that sort of, um, um, it's quite in-depth in a short space of time. We, uh, we to touch. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. And also, I mean, it, it would have to be in-depth through, you know, obviously what some of these women have been through. I mean, you know, you and I are at a stage in our lives where we're fully functioning people who mm. make our own decisions, do our own thing. But when yeah. you've been through something as traumatic as domestic abuse, that must take a lot of rebuilding, mustn't it, really? Yeah, so if you can imagine our lives have been stacking bricks and foundations, and I think what domestic abuse does, it, it chips away at those foundations bit by bit, and it depends on who and how so much has been chipped away, how much you have to rebuild. The impact is very traumatic. Mm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, quite often we hold trauma that we don't even recognize. No. Uh, we could yeah. react to certain situations in a certain way, but we never recognize that why am I reacting in this way? It's being in, not being in touch with your emotions. And one of the coping strategies that women often come up with is not being in touch with your own emotions because you've got to just function and not go there again to keep moving. I'm completely with you. So, and I mean, the thing is we, to, to make it clear as well, because I think a lot of people automatically think when you've experienced domestic abuse, that it's a physical thing. It's not a physical thing or it's not just a physical thing, is it? Sometimes it can be, purely an emotional thing yeah i think that uh, that we it's surprising how much discussions we need to hold in the jasmine project to just talk about domestic abuse in its various shapes and forms and it's shocking how many women recognize one form of abuse and there might be 10 other forms of abuse that they've not not recognize for for example currently during the uh, pandemic is the text messaging is the digital is the words the words are say for example threats is a form of abuse that someone constantly threatens you uh, could, the threats could be belittling you um, uh, uh, making threats that if you do this i can take this away from you like taking things away uh, uh, threatening to have the children put in care, threatening to take the children abroad, threatening mm -hmm. to kidnap the children, and threatening to kill, threatening to 
physically hid, threatening to take the money away. So lots of different sorts of threats and the language is one specific way. But during the pandemic, there's been more cases where there's been digital threats. So the words that come across in the text messages are far more powerful and specific than someone speaking face to face because it's very manipulative. But also the impact of having that abuse on text, it means that those words don't just resonate and go away, they're there. And someone experiencing this will keep revisiting that text over and over again. It's there, it lives a bit longer, but there's the threat of the unknown behind that, what else? can happen. Um, forms of abuse, there's emotional abuse, financial abuse, withholding money, sexual abuse, um, family, extended family abuse, coercive control, uh, stalking, harassing, forced marriage, honor-based violence. There are many, many forms of mm. abuse. And that's, I think that's one battle even say, if Ancha was found in 1984, and we were talking about this then, and we're still talking about it. Something doesn't, something hasn't changed. Yeah. No, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just a cultural thing, uh, as we said that, you know, a lot is based, uh, you know, around culture and different views and different opinions on how things should be. But, you know, some people, I think, you know, this has sort of sprung up out of society especially in the western world rather than you know maybe sort of asia it it's um this thing that you know they're still not quite is there um although we're getting there that the equality between male and female and i think you know that that is is still very much at, at the forefront of a lot of abusive relationships isn't it yes it's that it's equality i mean to different cultures and backgrounds equalities have different meanings for example we can have i, I did um i received a fund from sir winston churchill fellowship uh, in 2016 and that was to go and travel on to india so some on equalities what we understand about equalities here had a totally different meaning on equalities in India. And it was very difficult to work with that because unless you have 50% of the people that you're working with trying to make that change, understand it at the same, on, a, on the same platform, you can't move. So mm -hmm. equalities here, if I talk about the young people again and working in schools, and then we have all these equalities and diversity policies, uh, we have all this guidance and we, we can make those documents as long as we can add this, add this and add all sorts of things that are coming up. When I went to the schools, uh, equalities hasn't really meant anything to the young people. No. So the equalities in the UK with a generation that's growing up might not have the same meaning. I think what I'm trying to say is that if you're working in this field, you talk equalities all the time. Yeah. When you're in other areas of work, you might never face, you might never have <laughs> used the word equality and you're going to the community. So what are you talking about? Yeah, equality. So, so that but, message, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is strange, as I said, because, you know, even though we were sort of drawing, you know, the equality comparison, I mean, I think that the biggest 
inequality at the moment or one that is most spoken about in the Western world is the gender pay gap, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and we are getting there. And we're know. still fighting that yeah. here in Britain. Yeah, yeah we, we are still fighting that. But, um, I mean, obviously, you know, it, there are still that, but that it, that is a lot more sort of a focused area rather than the equalities between male and female, I suppose. It is, you know, the... the next but that makes that, that, that equality, if you address that, that would make all the difference because women will be able to manage their lives mm -hmm. in a different way through that because their skill is the same, their education is the same, their expertise is the same in a similar role and the impact on how they run their lives is often based on that finance. So that fi those fi the pay difference between pay, male and female pay, there's still huge gaps. Um, and that's, that's not an area that I focus on, but I know the impact is there because uh, in the industry, in this field, in the women's sector, <clears throat> there are women fighting for different causes. And that's one of the causes. Um, of trying to reduce that gap. So equality is that where does that end? But the thing is that we need to make that change. If we don't make the change, we don't make any difference. You're right. You know, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I do feel that you know that the the younger generation now, it, it's you know, they're so much more aware of all those issues than what say we were when we were younger. Yeah. I do feel that things are beginning to change. But nevertheless, there are still, you know, lots of domestic abuse situations um, and um, still, you know, a lot of inequality happening within different households. And that really needs to be addressed, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it's just having that understanding. So for someone who wants to or is seeking help, it is the thought process that no thought that comes to your head is little enough, it's not small, nothing is too small, nothing is too silly, just ask that question, just reach out because a woman ex experiencing this on her own may think that she's the only one, but when she asks that question and when the realization happens, there's many, many other women that may be feeling exactly the same and the fears might be exactly the same as hers and is fighting that battle together is just coming out and talking about it but before talking about it it's just identifying how does one identify that what I am experiencing is abuse what does that mean just search that word just go on the internet talk to people, just use the word abuse, what does this mean? And I promise there'll be a lot of information coming back. And, and what we found uh, in talking to women, whichever phase of journey they're at, that before they ever sought help, um, would they have, what is it, what, what took them so long? It's because they didn't un understand, they didn't identify as abuse and it took a long time. Um, and they also, women also say they don't use the word abuse. They might be using other words. Abuse is something that we use as professionals, but the women said they don't use, they wouldn't recognize it because they don't use that, that word in relation to what they're experiencing. So it's layers, isn't it? It's, it's layers of 
what we need to do is layers of, if you're in that situation, what you, they need to do to come out of that situation. And I, I think it's about having that little dream, isn't it? And that little dream might be just to wake up in the morning and have your cup of tea at the time that you want to, how you want to, with a biscuit or without a biscuit. For some women, for many women, it might be just that dream. I want to get up in the morning and I want to have my cup of tea without all of the rest that happens around with me every mm. morning. And it, it, it is the simple things, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you've done much work. And as you say, you, you started, Anto, in um, 1984. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, that, that's, that's getting on for, you know, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Gosh, crikey, that's yeah. amazing. So, yeah, and it was not a life plan. Believe me, it wasn't a life plan. But once you're in it and you realize the barriers women have to face, the trauma women have to face and I think anything that we can put in there to try and help that process to make that change it makes it worthwhile and I think that's why I'm still here. Well Sue you're doing some brilliant work so you know I, I'm it's been lovely to meet you it really has as well and I think especially when you're doing working with you know people and communities and helping people it, it it is nice to be recognized um almost like a, a a sort of statement to say you know i must be doing something right which you are <laughs> yes 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 although i must say that uh, in this field of work do you know you'd be so shocked at how busy it is that i've never really had the time to sit back and reflect hmm. Uh, that oh gosh I'm into the palace it's almost like a byproduct isn't it so maybe when I retire I'll sit down and I think but I think more rewarding than anything else is the number of lives that we have changed yeah and I'm not on the front line I have a team of people on the front line um this uh at the beginning of this year in January, I had a surprise email um, from a young woman who said, I don't know if you remember me, she sent it to the general email address, hoping that she might find me. She said when I was, she, when she was nine, I supported her mother and she remembers those times well. And if it hadn't been for Anchil, she wouldn't be where she is. And now she's 42 and she's got two children of her own. And she just, after all these years, she just, you know, just came to her mind that she wanted to thank you because it has, you do change lives. And those are the rewarding thing. I, I think more than the MBs, rewards like that, um, that stay with you because you feel you've contributed in your lifetime. to something Well, you've certainly done that, Sue. You really, really have. So, uh, you know, what, what an amazing work you, you've done, seriously. I mean so many women that need have needed your help out there and and it continues now with the jasmine project which is you know a great project isn't it in it's, itself it's not there's nothing like it anywhere it, it's a total development of ancho it's not something that's been pulled out thin air it's through women telling us what's worked 
for them and we literally picked out and like I said it take, did take us two years to design this uh, it hasn't failed anyone yet that's brilliant that is so brilliant and I you know as you said I mean during this pandemic, uh, uh, gosh, I mean, there, there must be, you must be inundated at times. Most of the times. Uh, and we, we have a 24-hour helpline. What we find is, is the most destitute, most vulnerable during out-of-office hours, trying to find them accommodation, trying to get other services to support, trying to get financial help, trying to get toiletries, trying to make them feel not bad about the situation they're in if you can imagine how one feels destitute on the street they don't feel that they deserve it they're in that situation but it's not their fault because many women end up blaming themselves for being in that situation and i think one of the most empowering self-talk is that you're not to blame it's, it's a step to move forward um yet the pandemic has brought a lot of that to us when uh, uh, the courts and the solicitors' firms were closing, minimised their workloads, uh, they've got backlog, uh, court hearings, and uh, not being able to gain sufficient finance because legally it takes all that much longer to provide that support. So you need women in hotels longer than that. So it's more finance per day. And we found in Christmas, because it was Christmas, the costs of rooms were escalating, oh doubling and tripling. Um, but, and at the same time, we've had a lot of businesses that have supported us, collaborated over Christmas, donated food, fresh food, canned food, rice, tomato tins. Uh, and we've had companies uh, donating their time to us in making, helping us with digital developments. So, yeah, so we there's the need, the demand, and then we have whole groups of people that are ready to help us. So it gets that becomes congruent. It it, it helps us balance uh, what we do. So there, in no way is it me on my own doing this. There's whole teams and there's whole communities uh, on on this journey with me. Mm, no, and and it's it's a a brilliant journey as well because as you said, you're making a huge difference to many, many women's lives, which is, you know, um, amazing. It really is. And thank you, Sue, for coming thank on. You, thank you, Thank you. And just one very small question before you go. Are you going to write a book? I've always wanted to. And I think now that you've said it, it's a trigger. I'd love to. I think I might do a number of books, but I have to have a starting point. I'm not one that has written. Uh, it's just starting there but I have a lot of things in my head and I think I'd love to and if there's anyone out there listening who can support me and where to start and how do I get going I'd love that support yeah. lovely well Sue thank you very much thank bye. you thank you Ellie bye look forward to chatting with my next guest on the tea time sofa this time next Saturday in the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Teatime with AM. Bye for now.